There are a couple of realities that we're living with right now. Uh, one of them is distancing. Uh, if you walk out into your community uh, in the Commonwealth of Virginia, uh, you walk down the street, people are going to keep their distance. Uh, I, I still come into the office uh, at our Crossroads location and, and I'll go, get into an elevator and if someone's in that elevator, uh, I will wait for them to get out. Or if I'm in the elevator and we stop on a floor going up to the sixth floor, uh, people will see that elevator door open. They see me in that elevator. They won't get in. And, and it's not because I didn't take a bath that day. Uh, it's just we are distancing. And, and so it's a little strange. It's a little weird how people are just kind of uh, walking on the other side of the street. Uh, even as we have the few of us who've gathered in this room uh, today, there's still that idea of we got to keep six feet away from each other. Uh, that's unusual uh, for us, but uh, that's one of the, our realities right now. The other reality is face masks. You remember when uh, this virus began to hit, uh, the uh, CDC said, don't wear face masks, they don't help, uh, unless you have the face mask that has that filter in it, that N95 uh, kind of face mask, and, and they didn't want us, uh, our regular people, to get it. They wanted to reserve those for the healthcare community, which I appreciate and applaud. Uh, but somewhere on that journey, a couple of weeks ago, uh, they, uh, these officials came out and said, no, you need to wear masks. Uh, now, the difference is when I wear a mask today, not the filtered kind, it's not to uh, protect me from getting the virus, but it's protect others from me. It, it's, it's that kind of protection. But friends, I've got to tell you that uh, if we're going to find hope in today's climate, in today's world, we need more than a face mask. Uh, in fact, uh, Psalm chapter 3 addresses how that we can move from here to hope by teaching us and telling us really where we can find hope in the face of of our troubles, uh, how we can have a shield that surrounds us, that gives us hope every single day. And Psalm chapter 3, kind of the backdrop to the psalm, you know, you've perhaps heard of King David. In the Old Testament, King David was the little shepherd boy who uh, took on Goliath and defeated Goliath as a, as a young shepherd boy. Uh, he's the one who became kind of the warrior for the Israelite army and uh, defeated tens of thousands of Philistines and Amorites and Amalekites and all those type of people. He eventually became the king of Israel and led uh, the, the, uh, the kingdom of Israel to some of its greatest days. As he approached the end of his life, uh, David reaped some of the whirlwind of his imperfect decisions. Now, David was not a flawless man by any stretch of the imagination. He was an extremely flawed individual. And yet, he was still known as a person who walked after God's own heart. A person not perfect, but pursuing God. Uh, but at the end of his life, he was reaping kind of the consequences of some of his rebellious moments as an adult and as a man. And his son, Absalom, uh, overthrew David. And so David was going through the troubles of a treasonous son and 
being exiled from the nation that he literally built uh, on behalf of God. And, and so now in Psalm chapter 3, he's sitting, reflecting on his troubles. Now, your troubles may not be like David's. They may, they may not be about people who have risen up against you. It may not be a treasonous son or a rebellious son. It, it may just be the troubles of everyday life. And, and we've got a bucket load of troubles, don't we? I mean, and, and again, it doesn't have to be during a coronavirus. It's every day of our life. We have a bucket load of troubles that we have to deal with. Sometimes that bucket is heavy. And sometimes that bucket is not so heavy, but every day that bucket load of troubles can steal hope from our life. And David is writing to us, God is speaking to us in Psalm chapter 3 to point us in a direction where we can have hope. Move from here, bucket load of troubles, to hope. Now, that's not saying that the bucket load of troubles disappears, What it's saying is that God offers us hope even when we have a bucket load of troubles. And that's what we need to take hold of today. We need to take hold of this wonderful perspective that God gives us, that we can find hope because God offers us hope uh, through his rescuing love in the person of Jesus Christ. If Psalm 3 teaches us anything, it teaches us this, that Jesus is the shield that gives us hope in the face of our troubles. And Jesus is that shield. Now, the reason we're going to point to Jesus is because apart from Jesus, we're going to be wandering around in hopelessness and helplessness. Uh, Again, look at verses 1 and 2 of Psalm chapter 3. And think to yourself, what are the problems that keep you up at night? What are the problems that that give you sleepless nights? Now listen to what David was talking about in verses 1 and 2. He said, Lord, how they have increased who have troubled me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there is no help for him in God. Oh, that, that is a terrible thing to hear that there, others would say uh, he is so far gone that there's just no help for him in God. There is no hope. You're, you're beyond help, so you're beyond hope. And can I tell you that I felt that way, not about other people, but about myself. I've, I've felt that way. I've, I've felt like I was beyond help, and I felt like I was beyond hope. For me, and, and, and honestly, I believe for every person listening or watching right now, uh, the root core, the core of that helplessness and hopelessness comes because of my sin. Now, now we're going to move beyond that in a minute, but let's just stick here for a second. Uh, you've sinned and I've sinned. And when I have felt my most helpless and my most hopeless, is when I realize that I can't do anything to fix the sin that I've done. I, I can't fix it. I've, I've tried to fix well, my sin choices. I, I've tried to fix those choices of rebellion against God. And, and the reality is there is nothing in me that can make up for the sin that I have done. I just can't do it. 
But here's the good news. In fact, the good news of the entire scripture from Genesis to Revelation, this, this good news that we take hold of, the good news, uh, the, the, uh, the, the gospel, the good news upon which we stand every day is built upon this wonderful truth that it is our reality that sin separates us from God and we are distanced from God by our sin, and we are deformed in our soul and helpless and hopeless because of our distance from God, because of our sin. But God has provided hope for us in the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, That hope is that Jesus has come to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now, just keep it real simple. I have sinned against God, and my sin separates me from God. You have sinned against God, and your sin has separated you from God. Now, when we are distanced from God by the chasm of our sin and rebellion against Him, then we are hopeless. There is no help. There is no hope because we are distanced from the only source of hope, who is God. Maybe you're sitting Uh, right where you are today in your PJs eating your Cheerios and you're thinking to yourself, I feel helpless and I feel hopeless. The first question you need to ask is, is that helplessness and hopelessness because you're separated from God by sin? And see, what, what, what we find ourselves doing is trying to build this bridge to God. We try to uh, do better things or make up for the things that we've done wrong and we always fall short and it just compounds our sense of helplessness and hopelessness. There's a missing ingredient in our life and it's a relationship with God, the very thing that we desperately desire, but we can't get to God because we have sinned. God is holy and just and and we're not and we can't get to him. We're dead in our trespasses, the Bible says in Ephesians 2. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. And that's a pretty hopeless, helpless place to be. But God, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together by Christ, in Christ Jesus by grace, we have been rescued. Here's the good news that the Bible tells the story of. It is the good news that, yes, I'm a sinner and my sin has separated me from God, but God sent Jesus on a rescue mission to come and take the punishment that my sin demanded and deserved and to take my place of punishment, to take the weight and the guilt and the pain and the shame of my sin upon himself and die on a cross in my place and for my sin so that when I put my faith and trust in Jesus, I who am helpless and hopeless find hope through Jesus who gives me life. We can have hope even in our sinfulness because God sent Jesus to rescue us. We have a shield that can protect us because we have a Savior who has rescued us. Jesus has rescued us from sin's embrace through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And if that reality has not changed your life, then friends, that's the first step you need to take today. You need to become a follower of Jesus. I'm not talking about being more religious. I'm not talking about being a Baptist or a Pentecostal or a Catholic or an Episcopalian or an Anglican or a Presbyterian. I'm talking about becoming a follower of Jesus. 
To become a follower of Jesus takes an act of faith on our part to trust that what Jesus did on the cross was the only sufficient way for us to enter into a friendship and a fellowship with God. And Jesus is the shield that gives us hope because he is the Savior that has rescued us from our despair and sin and given us a new life. So today, I, I just want to encourage you that, that, yes, the biggest problem that we have is sin. And the greatest solution to that biggest problem is a Savior named Jesus. He is the giver of hope to us. Now, in verses 1 and 2, what, what David does is he describes his own situation. And it's a situation that, that we need to, to take hold of today. You see... Maybe you're here and you're a follower of Jesus, but you feel like you're beyond help. And because you feel like you're beyond help, you feel like you're beyond hope. And can I tell you, that's just not true. That if you're a follower of Jesus, you belong to God and, and God has an answer to your troubles. He can move you from here to hope. Because of Jesus, the shield of hope. Now, now, here's the thing. We need that movement from our, the conflict of our troubles, that bucket load of troubles. We need a movement from the bucket load of troubles to hope itself. And, and, and it doesn't mean that we get rid of the bucket load of troubles. You see, as a follower of Jesus, even Jesus himself tells us that we're going to have troubles in this world. You got troubles, I got troubles, all God's children got troubles. But what David does is he moves from the blues of his conflict and his chaos and his trouble to the place of celebration in the hope that he has in God. And that's the journey of hope I pray that we make this morning. That you and I would, as followers of Jesus, move from the trouble to the hope, from feeling helpless and hopeless to having a help and a hope in God. So how do we make that journey? You got troubles in your life. I got troubles. Uh, what, wh where can you find hope in the face of your troubles? Well, what David does is he leads us on this journey, and it's a journey that moves quickly. Verses 1 and 2 is a lament, and then verse 3 the whole tone changes. It's no longer a complaint. It's no longer, woe is me. It's no longer, I've got all these enemies and I can't do anything about it. It's no longer, I've fallen and I can't get up. But now it is the note of celebration. And what, what, what is it that he says? Verse 3, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. But you, O Lord, are my glory. But you, are, O Lord, are the one that lifts up my head. What is it that keeps you up late at night? What is the trouble that, that keeps its tentacles uh, gripped around your soul and swallows you up in despair? Whatever that is, if you're a follower of Jesus, then understand this one thing. Hope turns our focus from our troubles and toward God's rescuing love. That's what hope does. And that's what David did. He said, but you, O Lord. He stopped looking at the multitudes that had turned against him. He had stopped listening to the voices, the cacophony, the chaotic voices that said there is no help 
for you. There is no hope for you. And he began once again looking to God, setting his focus on the God who had rescued him. Friends, today, here's what you and I need to do. We need to move from woe is me to but you, O Lord. Here's the great turnaround for you and me. It's the turnaround of hope. It's the turnaround that we find in Ephesians 2, uh, that we were dead in our trespasses and sin, and, 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 and we were tangled up in the disobedient lifestyle of a, uh, of a re- rebel heart. We were dead in our trespasses and sin, and we were walking toward judgment. That's Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, verse 4. But God, but you, O Lord, but God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, has made us alive together in Christ Jesus by grace. You've been saved. You've been rescued. You're not beyond help. You're not beyond hope. And today, as followers of Christ, set your gaze upon the God of glory who has loved you so magnificently. You're looking at your troubles. Then turn your focus and say, but you, O Lord. Now, that but you, O Lord, is uh, also a declaration, a confession of submission to the hand of God. You see, God is loving and he's just, but he also allows us to reap the consequences of our rebel life, lifestyle. He, he, th- this is what David was reaping. He was reaping the consequences of his disobedience to God. How many of us have walked a path of rebellion against God and we find ourselves in a place of great pain and sorrow and shame and fear and hopelessness? Even as followers of Jesus, there's still hope. You can still go from here in your trouble to hope, but it comes through a submission of our heart to God. It literally is setting our focus on God as the rule of our life, the ruler of our heart. Our emotions no longer bind us to actions that that are contrary to the will of God because we are setting our heart's affection and our mind's attention on the living God. But you, O Lord, means I bend my will to yours and I set my focus on the Lord God who loves me. Uh, There are three images that, uh, that, that David writes about in verse He says, but you, O Lord, and then he sets his focus on God, and that's what hope does. Hope turns our focus away from our troubles and toward God. And, 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 And he uses three pictures, three images to help us set our focus on God, on who God is. And the first one is, you are a shield for me. You are a shield around me. It's the picture of of God being a shield that doesn't just protect against uh, a frontal assault, but it's a shield that surrounds uh, us completely. The Lord God is shield for us. He's the one that surrounds us. He surrounds our heart and our mind, our emotions. When we turn to him and say, but you, O Lord, in that moment, God says, okay, I'm going to surround you with my presence. I'm going to surround you with the protection of my will. I'm going to surround you with the protection of my care. It is a beautiful picture of what God does for those who belong to him and who cry out to him. He is a shield for us. Better than any face mask we might ever use. God is the shield that protects us all the way around. He is the shield for us 
to protect us. The second uh, phrase that uh, David uses to describe God, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. And he says, but you, O Lord, are my glory. The, the term for glory there is a term that at its core means weight or heaviness. In this context, in reference to God, it means the presence of God, the power of God, the majesty of God, the omnipotence and the omnipresence and, and the omniscience of God. It is God in who he really is. It is the God of power and might. It is the God who can chase away armies with a thought and a breath. This is the God who stops the storm and raises the sun at a different hour than it's supposed to be raised. This is the God who parts red seas and brings water from a rock and gives life in the place of death. This is the God who loves us so much that he sent Jesus to rescue us through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and pours into us his Holy Spirit so that we can live in the immediacy of that power. We are living as the possession of the living God. He is our glory and I don't need to be afraid of anything because I walk hand in hand with God, my glory. Not only that, but God is the one who gives us honor. I find, and here it is, I find my honor not in what I do or what I can manage or what I can navigate, the decisions I make or, or, or the successes that I have. That's not where I find my honor. I find my honor as a person who belongs to God. This is my identity my identity is no longer what I do. My identity now is I belong to the God of the universe. So it doesn't matter what the multitudes might say about me. I belong to God. I am his. He is mine. And I live in the power of his presence. And David said, you are my shield. You are my glory. And then this final phrase that he uses in verse 3 is one that I want you to really grab hold of. He says, you are the lifter of my head. You're the one who lifts my head. Can I, can I just tell you as a dad to four daughters and uh, all of them have, have, have grown and are growing and, and um, all my daughters are beautiful young women who love the Lord. Um, but all my daughters are beautiful young women who've made good choices and all of them have made bad choices just like I have. I, I've seen and I've heard and I've sat with my girls as they've cried and wept, uh, as they're reaping consequences of choices that they've made, as they sit in the trouble that they face, and they want to see hope, um, and, and they need help. And on more than one occasion, just as my mom and dad did for me when I was sitting in that puddle of despair, thinking about my troubles, in the same way, at different times for all my girls, there have been those moments when they've sat and their head down, chin against the chest, eyes filled with tears. And I long to be the dad for them that goes to where they are. And I long to be the dad for them who lifts their chin so they can look in my eyes and they can see the love I have for them. They can see the strength that I have available for them. 
if they can see the joy that can be theirs, to see the hope that they're not walking this path alone, but they've got their daddy. And I belong to them, and they belong to me, and no matter the trouble, we're in this together. And that's what David does when he describes God as the one who lifts his head. You see, when we come with the confession, but you, O Lord, and we turn our focus and our attention away from our troubles and onto the living God, and we submit ourselves to him, God in his love comes to us and in an act of grace he gets down to where we are and he lifts our chin so that our eyes focus on him and we see the love that he has for us and the power and the strength and the joy. We're not helpless anymore. We have God. We're not hopeless anymore. Our daddy's with us. Yeah, we can have hope. Even when we've got a bucket load of troubles bearing down on us, we can have hope. Because hope turns our focus away from our troubles and onto the God who loves us so powerfully. But, David doesn't stop there. He moves forward and, and he says, not only do I, I, I turn my focus from my troubles to the God who loves me, I cry out to the Lord. And this is the second thing I want you to see in this passage, that as hope turns our focus from our troubles to the God who loves us, prayer gives voice to our hope in God's rescuing love. Prayer gives voice to our hope in God's rescuing love. In a life of prayer, we gain confidence in God's rescuing love. Now, verse 4, David says, I cried to the Lord with my voice. I, I want you to see that now in the, in, in, in the English language, that is just a past tense. I cried. And, 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 and yet in the Hebrew language, it's more than that. It's past tense, but it is a repeating past event. It's, I cried to the Lord with my voice, and I cried again to the Lord with my voice, and I cried again to the Lord with my voice, and I cried again to the Lord with my voice. There is a persistent prayer that takes shape in the heart of David. And with that persistent prayer, God answers, and he heard my voice. He heard my cry. And, and, and the idea of heard there, again, is not just a past event, one-time thing, but it's a repetition. Every time I cried, God heard. Also, heard doesn't just mean that God listened and went one ear out the other. When uh, we're sitting at home and uh, my favorite Hallmark detective show is on, I'll be watching that and Edie will be to my right and she'll be giving me some instructions about life or about you know, something. And, and I can hear her voice, but my focus is on the Hallmark show. And, and she's talking, but I'm, I hear it, but I'm not listening. I hear it, but I'm not going to respond. It's just background noise. Now, that doesn't happen often, honey. And I, I just want you to know, because I know you're watching. I, I, I don't do that regularly, but every now and then. And so you can uh, take hold of my heart whenever that does, or 
punch me in the nose, whatever. Uh, but, but that's not how God hears with us. When God hears, he hears with his whole heart so that he moves to respond. Uh, when we cry out to God, God responds uh, uh, to, to that and answers our prayer. And then we cry again to God and God answers and, and, uh, to our, our prayer. And we cry out again and pray again and God answers our prayer. With every prayer we make, God answers with his rescuing love. And that's why the result for, for David and for us is a result of hope. Look at verse 5. This is our confidence. After I pry, uh, pray, I cry out to the Lord my voice, and the, and the Lord heard my cry. And he moved, and he answered my cry. Verse 5, so I lay down and slept, and I awoke, for the Lord sustained me. I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Now, what's he saying? He's saying, if we will pray... And give voice to our hope in God's rescuing love through prayer. And, and with this confession and with this confidence, we cry out to God, God, as you have rescued me from sin's embrace, and God, as you have rescued me in days past, I cry out to you again, not based upon my actions, not based upon my perfections, but I cry out to you based upon your heart of love and upon your grace and upon the fact that when I cry out to you, Jesus stands between me, my requests, and you, and he gives legitimate and power to my request. So today, God, I cry out to you and you will answer me so much so that whatever is weighing on my heart at night, whatever keeps me up, whatever gives me a restless night begins to disappear. You see, we have easy rest, easy sleep when we rest our troubles into the hands of God. When we cry out to him in prayer and we trust and have hope in his rescuing love, then we can go to sleep and find nourishment for our soul and sustenance for our heart and strength for our hands. God sustains us and keeps on sustaining us even through our slumber and into the next day. We rest. We find rest and nourishment for our soul in the very presence of God as we come to him in prayer. Not only that, but, but in verse 6 it says that we, we find freedom from fear. We become fearless because we're walking in the presence of God. David said, it doesn't matter if tens of thousands of armies of people came after me. I'm not going to be afraid because I've got the God of the universe on my side. Do you see how important the but you, O Lord, is? When we submit ourselves to God in that moment of, of turnaround and pivot, and then we cry out to God in prayer, he sustains us, he upholds us, and then he gives us courage for whatever we may face. We don't have to be afraid any longer. No matter how big the bucket load of troubles you might have, you know that God is involved and active and you can be fearless. You don't have to be afraid of your troubles if you're standing hand in hand with the God of the universe. In the face of every enemy, God is the warrior who fights and wins the battles. Uh, this is verses 7 and 8. He says, uh, verse 7 and 8, the, the psalmist said, uh, Arise, O Lord. Save me, O my God. You struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing is upon your people. Here's the good news for us today. We want to move from here to hope, and Jesus is the champion who does it for us. He is the one who gives us hope. 
when we, when we find ourselves facing down problems that we can't fix and troubles that we can't carry, we're not helpless and we're not hopeless. We have help in God. We have hope in Jesus Christ. So what can you and what can we do today in response well, the first thing I want to encourage you to do, if you're here and you have yet to embrace Jesus as Savior and King, today's that day. If you have yet to cross that line of faith and become a follower of Jesus by turning from your sin and trusting in Jesus, then today is that day. Perhaps while I've been sharing and you've been reading God's Word or listening, you, you, you come to the realization that you're still over here separated from God by a chasm of your sin and you need to be where God is. And you see that Jesus is the only way for you to find forgiveness for your sin. Through His death on the cross as payment for your sin. So today is the day, this is the moment for you to come to Christ by faith. I'm not talking about being more religious and I'm not talking about being a religious uh, a denomination. I'm talking about becoming a follower of Jesus. The Bible says that if you want to be part of God's family, you have to come through Jesus to get there. And the way we come through Jesus to be part of God's family is to turn from our sin. And every philosophy and ideology that, that says, I can get to God on my own, you've got to turn away from that and you've got to trust in Jesus. His death on the cross is payment for your sin. And His resurrection from the dead to give you a new life. The first but God moment happens when we are made alive together with Christ Jesus by grace. And that grace comes to us when we repent our sin and we trust in Jesus. So today, if you're that person who needs to become a follower of Jesus, I invite you to cry out to God. And you cry out to God expressing that you are a sinner and that your sin has separated you from God. You cry out to God, acknowledging that God sent Jesus to die on a cross for your sin and that he was raised from the dead to give you new life. And you ask God to apply what Jesus has done to you and to your life. And in that great transaction of God's grace, you are made brand new. So if you're here today and you long to cross the line of faith to become a follower of Jesus, I'm going to pray this prayer. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord can be saved. Uh, and this is how, if we confess that Jesus the Lord, believe that, that God raised him from the dead, we can be saved. Now, th this is the confession. This prayer is not magical. And there's nothing uh, uh, magical about the words that I say. What's, what, what is required is for you to mean this with your heart. So if God, by His grace, has drawn you to the place where you're ready to cross the line and become a follower of Jesus, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. Oh God, I acknowledge that I am a sinner and my sin has separated me from you. I believe that you sent Jesus, your Son, to die on a cross for my sin in my place. To be raised from the dead so that I might have new life. So today, oh God, I pray that you would apply what Jesus did through the cross and the resurrection to my account. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for giving me new life. If you prayed that prayer, I want to invite you to 
let us know so that we can help you in the next steps as a follower of Jesus. Uh, so if, if you prayed that prayer, go ahead and text Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, J-E-S-U-S, to the number on the screen, or you can email pastor at firstnorfolk.org, and we'd be happy to follow up with you and help you in the next steps as a follower of Jesus. Well, what can we do as followers of Christ? As followers of Christ, I want to encourage us as a church uh, to uh, let prayer give voice to our hope in God's rescuing love. Uh, and, and so this week and the weeks to follow, we're going to lean into prayer in a very significant way. Uh, this Thursday at noon, we're going to have a live stream prayer meeting. Uh, this is the National Day of Prayer, and we're going to get together uh, at noon online and we're going to pray together for our nation and for our world, for our uh, global leaders and our national leaders and our local leaders. Um, we're going to pray for revival and spiritual awakening. So you just come uh, online on Thursday. Then on Friday, May the 8th, I want to encourage you and invite you, all of First Norfolk, to join me in praying for our neighbors, to go on a prayer walk around our communities. And throughout the seven cities of Hampton Roads, let's walk down the street and let's pray for our neighbors. Pray that they might find the hope and know the hope that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, so let's be uh, uh, aggressive and extravagant in praying for our neighbors. And then next Sunday on March the 10th, uh, we're going to begin 21 days of prayer. And we're going to have uh, devotions uh, that are going to be on our blog that will help us, prayer guides that will help us uh, on that 21-day adventure in prayer. Uh, but let's give voice to our hope in God's rescuing love as the church in prayer. Today, God has given us the great privilege of opening His Word, hearing from Him, and finding hope. My, my prayer for you is that you have moved from here to hope. It all begins with Jesus. So today I want us to close out this worship gathering by singing a song of praise to the God who has loved us so significantly and, and majestically and powerfully in the person of Jesus Christ.